Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. Today we have a really great conversation between Neil Count, who you've heard on uh, several recent episodes. He's uh, the CEO of Chitin and the brainchild of Endeavor. And he's been uh, working with me on the Hacking Your Own SAT program series. Uh, a little while ago, he sat down for a conversation with a college counselor, SAT tutor, and a really great uh, resource for me. Uh, he's been on the podcast, Harpreet Singh. And they uh, share a conversation about uh, the experience of a first-generation college student. Now, when Neil and I get together, I handle the audio, which is why it sounds pretty good. Uh, so the audio on the uh, conversation coming up is a little bit uh, echoey, so I apologize for that. Um, I try to do my best with the editing to, to make it sound a little bit better. But it is still a little echoey, so uh, you might want to adjust your volume. And uh, they're going to have a great conversation, and then uh, I hope you enjoy it. Neil, take it away. So, what is a first-generation student? So, I'd like to start off this conversation. I am also a first-generation student myself, um, but what I define as a first-generation student is like somebody who had a parent or no parents, never, someone whose parent or parent has never been to college, and then I'll also add like an American college, so they're called in the U.S. But I say that because like there's a lot of people who like might not know what, or like their parents might not know what American universities yeah. are, and like, therefore they can't really receive the support from their families because there's a, a knowledge behind them. Okay, okay. Yeah, and you and I, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before, but why are you so passionate about this topic? Like, what is it about first-generation students that, you know, that means so much to you? I think it's a point of pride. Like, um, so for me, like, it was always, like, I didn't understand what a first-generation student was until when I applied to college and then, like, throughout college. Like, I think, um, like, as the first-generation students are, like, often under, they don't have as much advantages as other students might have who have parents who've been to college, and therefore they don't understand the system, and they're left at, like, the margins, they're little by college. Um, and so, one, they might not have, you know, like, um, ability to apply to college or, like, the encouragement to apply to college, yeah. but then going through college itself is a whole nother ballgame, and by doing so, like, it's tough. Like, I remember, like, I've always been, like, I guess, like, very vocal about being Christian, and where I went to school at Emory, like, that conversation never happened, and therefore it was, like, one call very invisible identity. Like, you can't tell by the looks of someone, oh, he's Christian or she's Christian. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of, like, isolating in that sense, whereas, like, for other, like, if you're trying to find, like, racial groups, like, that's e more easier to identify, whereas, like, for a first-time student, like, they can't decide to, like, look and find people, like, they need to, like, make the allocated just for first-generation students that's, like, labeled as Yeah, like, I don't even know how you define, <laughs> exactly. how you would even start in college, like, how do you even, how do you find people like that, you know, I guess, like, that's exactly. sort of, yeah. So, like, actually, recently, there's been, like, a trend of, like, getting institutional support from either the college or, like, student organizations will be created for first-gen students, like, mm -hmm. specifically, and then from there, they'll host events that's typically geared just for first-gen students, yeah. so, like, you have to, like, self-identify as such. Um, and then you would have those cases, you, you can meet people who identify like as first gen themselves. Whereas like, it's, I guess like socially awkward, you're like, oh, are you first gen? Yeah, like, yeah. Right off the bat, like, um, and then so what, like, what, what if they're not, right? <laughs> like, no, I'm not, okay, see you later. Like, <laughs> like, this conversation's not gonna happen, right? 
Um, but yeah, no, like, and so like, I would say like that's idea, but like that thing never existed to me at Emory for the first few years I was there. Um, and so like, though I was vocal about it, like not many people were, and like I guess like there's like the stigma behind like being seen as like underprivileged, and that's why like a lot of that conversation was never there. Yeah. But that put a lot of pressure into a lot of other students. Like I remember my sophomore year, like one of my friends like when we ended up being like really good friends by the time we graduated, but as a sophomore like we weren't necessarily like, talking every day, but she like burst into like tears into my room, and she was just like. It is so hard being here as a first-generation student. Wow. Um, yeah, because like, well, it's also like, well, you don't necessarily have to be like low-income to be first-generation. Like, yeah. both of us have to be first-generation low-income students. Okay. And Emory is a place where many parents have gone to college, oh, so. and then like, they're also super wealthy. Yeah. And so like, that part's also like just weird socially, academically, we're not as prepared as other students are because they might have like tutoring, like or like just some sort of like way to get supplemental information within like the yeah. education system. Yeah. Um, whereas us like we're on a like oftentimes on our own. Yeah. Um and yeah, so she came in like just crying me and I was just like it's sad. Like I don't know why, but I guess like my transition from high school to college wasn't as rough as it is a lot of other first generation students, but that was like when I realized like there was a problem here or an yeah. issue here and there was like no mechanism to solve it. Um, and then like, yeah, like there had been no like um, discussions, no like literally like places or like spaces to be in where like you can like celebrate being first generation or being uh, low. Well, I think part of it though too is people are just confused, right? So sometimes they might think first generation is more applying to um, your ethnicity, right? Versus then just your, because I remember when we first started talking about this, I figured, oh wait, I'm a first generation student because mm -hmm. my parents are from India, and so I thought that's what we were talking about, and then talking to you, mm -hmm. just clearly realized how far off on the market was on that. So, but let's let's talk a little bit about that though, just in terms of your background, if yeah. you don't mind, right? So, um, you know, let's talk about high school a little bit, right? So, where you were, you were in high school in Edison? Uh, South Brunswick, it's actually like only 20 minutes away from Edison. Okay. Um, but yeah. I went to South Brunswick High School. It was um, actually a really large school. About my graduating class was 800 people big, about um, so it's like 200 people in school. And it was weird, like in the sense that it was a good school, but it also had like its lack of funds for students. Like, for example, like if you had students from all achieving groups, yeah, um, like what do you mean achieving groups? Like people who are like in like high achieving students okay. over like lower achieving yeah. students. Um, and so like it was also weird to see like how it like trended with income or like correlated with income. So like the high achieving students often came from high income backgrounds, whereas like the lower achieving students came from like lower income backgrounds. And that put me like as a low income student, as a first generation student in those high achieving classes, like at a weird position because I was able to re relate to them academically, but socially they were like, oh, I'm just going to go tutor, and I was like, oh, that's great. Right. I've never had a right. great exactly. like, um, Sounds nice. Yeah. You know, or like, they would be like, that's the thing. Like, it would just be like, oh, if you want to work, it's like, oh, you work? <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah. They're like, so you spend it on yourself? I was like, no, I give it to my family sometimes. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. I was like, okay, well, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. This conversation's not necessarily the best flowing right, conversation. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, and then, it was also weird just because like I was able to see like the difference because like the friends I hung out with were from like the lower income backgrounds and therefore like, I would see like 
what they were doing in high school. Like, I would say Brandon versus what I was doing in high school, and like, that was different. Because I was like, okay, well, so there's like clearly like a lack of encouragement for the teachers from like the lower achieving side versus yeah. like me taking like all of AP and honors classes. Yeah. Um, but the weird part was like, I don't think my high school ever had like an explicit college going culture. Like, um, so it was kind of just like, a lot of high schools were that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like unconscious, like, oh, they all go to college. But like, there wasn't like any like college counseling done. Like, I never met with my guidance counselor in school. Well, I only met with her once every single year to say what classes I'm going to, so yeah. I can build my schedule. And then like, I only started to meet with her literally just because like, I was like, I need a counselor signature to apply to college. And like, that was also different. Like, my counselor and like the administration, they were not the best in terms of like supporting students, yeah. um, like often I would have to like go inside the door and like they would have not answered my emails, um, and so I would have to like go find like not even like book or like schedule an appointment. I would just like go on my own to their office to like get the same thing signed because I needed to apply to college. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird. Um, I'm like I ended up like moderately well so that was good. Well so where'd you get your motivation though, right? So and I think that's something, you know, we work with a lot of schools and you know for schools from uh, different cities, different income demographics, all mm-hmm. of uh, all the types. So you know generally we find that motivation is probably the, the toughest thing that we have to work through. So what about you? I mean, where did you find your motivation? Like, why did you even want to go to college? Like, was it just, was it more because all these other kids were going to college or like, yeah, I should do that too? I mean, was there something with your family that made you want to do mm-hmm. that? I mean, help me understand that. So it was, for my family, it was different. Like, my dad actually wanted me to, know, like, after graduation to start working. Okay. Uh, whereas my mom was like, okay, so it sounds weird, but like, I am very different than the rest of my siblings in terms of like academic achievement. Like, um, like, I would always be like on the highest honor roll, and then like, it would like not be on the honor roll. And so, like, my mom had different expectations of me versus okay. my siblings. So she was like, oh, you can get into Harvard. Like, I know okay. you can. Um, and so, like, that was like a weird dichotomy between my dad. Like, okay, let's go start working versus my mom. She was like, you're really smart. Like, you can yeah. do something. Yeah. Like, um, like those summer big. Um, that self-esteem building is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and like I actually didn't even internalize that. Like I was just like on the impression that I was just gonna stop working. Yeah. So like going to college was actually not something that I was gonna think of until like I saw the scholarships. Um, but like the motivation behind applying to college was just like I would say like I knew I was smart in high school, uh, and like the people that I would go to classes with, one I was like I was doing a little bit better than them, but they were like. They were able to get into good colleges, and like the seniors, before when I was a junior, like the seniors, like I was in the same classes with them, and they were going to good school. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can actually get into a good school, maybe. Like there was always that, like maybe that, like little like voice in the back of my head saying, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, what's like my number? Like yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, I have a fair shot. Yeah. But like in terms of, so the numbers part was good, like my SAT scores weren't great because like I've never studied for them. I literally took it once. And I got a decent score, and then I decided to do it again, but I didn't study for it between that time. And yeah. I think, like, literally the day before, I remember I was like 25 vocab words, and I was like, okay, this is good. And I think I got like 10 points better. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I so think. Did you, you didn't take any type of like, test prep class or anything like that? Oh, not at all. Okay. And I didn't even realize there were like free resources online. So yeah. Like, with that. Like, right. I never thought Google. Well, what, did the, what did the school provide, though, right? I mean, so, like, realistically, right? So, mm-hmm. like, okay, you want to say, there's a random student at your high school. 
what was the plan for college, right? Like, was there a discussion? Did the guidance counselor come and talk to you and say, like, okay, because I think it's helpful for people to understand, like, what is it like in most high schools, at least when you're thinking about going to college, right? Whether you're first gen or not, like, what was the discussion like, or what was the program like? Was my guidance counselor? Was it really, like, non-existent? It was nothing. The thought is, like, I think, like, they're expected to, like, initiate that conversation but that you you were expected to initiate that conversation i i guess like the only conversation like i said before like, the only conversation that i had with my guidance counselor up until my senior year was like what classes should i take next year or yeah. what classes am i like permitted to take with like scheduling conflicts or whatnot yeah um and it wasn't until my senior year that i was like hey i'm planning on applying to college this is how i'm applying to college okay. and she was like oh yeah that's great and then when she helped me out sure. but, like it was me starting yeah. that conversation okay um, and like I never asked like how about other students okay. like what their guidance counselors were like. Okay. Uh, so I and then what was it like when, because you know with the college application process, right? It starts to really kind of ramp up mm -hmm. your senior year, right? So like, did you get any help with like your essay, rec letters? Like, what well, what did that look like? Mm -hmm. Like, is there so many components of that application, right? So like, how did you how did you hack it almost basically? Yeah. Well, like since I never thought about applying to college, I actually like. Never knew that I should like develop relationships with teachers. Like I had great relationships with teachers with all the participating class, but it wasn't like I would go outside just like meet them and like, get to know them more. So like, they knew me like almost purely as a student, minus like the person I had that would show in class. Um, and like since I was like, a good student, I was able to like get good letters recommendations, especially like my letters of recommendation came from my Latin teacher and my chemistry teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and both of them knew me like my junior year and my senior year. I took classes with them both. Um, both years, um, so they knew me like pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but like, in terms of applying to college, like I didn't apply through the common app. I actually applied through this website called or college organization called Questbridge. Yeah. Um, and like the benefit of that was that I didn't have to pay for any of like, the college application fees. Mm -hmm. um, and like Questbridge is only for like high achieving, low income students. Um, so I was like, okay, this is like this purely matches what yeah. I get. Um, and so like actually I like didn't believe that was a thing after. So like the way they described it, I think it was like a, a full four year ride for like low low income high achieving students. I was like, okay, this is yeah. what I want to do. Sure. This is who I am. Right. <laughs> like, but I was like, is this real? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then that, like I, I think I did like two days of research just like looking at student testimonials. Yeah. Like, um, like that was like the only time I think I actually researched stuff for college. Um, and so like they offered like their own partners with a lot of like high or like very highly selected schools like. A lot of the Ivy schools, and a lot of like the top tier liberal art colleges. Um, where I went to school was at Murray, and that was one of the partner schools. Um, and so, like the way it works is, um, it's a very early application. Like the application was due in September, uh, and I only found out about it late August. Okay. Um, and so, like there's like two rounds. Like you have to become a finalist first before you can apply for the scholarship. So I was able to get to the finalist stage, and then once you do that. You select schools in which you can apply to for the full scholarship. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't end up getting the full scholarship, but like then like the next round we regular decision round. Yeah. Um, and like you apply to eight schools for the first. Sorry, it's like a very tricky thing. But, yeah, it is. Um, at that time, like it's now more schools you can like apply to. But, like there was only eight schools that you can like rank. Right. Um, and Emory was not on one of them. Like I wanted to be at home close to New Jersey, so I applied to schools in Pennsylvania, okay. like the Massachusetts area, and like New York. 
Nozzle, yeah, I'm not gonna go to Georgia. Yeah, I remember seeing Emory, never heard, I never heard of Emory, yeah. actually, and then like, I saw it was in Georgia, I was like, yeah, no, this is not me. Uh, so I never ranked it um, as one of those top eight schools, and I did very little research mm -hmm. at all in terms of like, what schools I actually wanted to go to. Um, so that was like another challenge that I didn't even know was a challenge. Yeah. Like, I was just going to the college admissions process very blindly. I was like, okay, well, this school seems cool. I've heard of this school, so I'll apply there. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like, okay, I want to go to this school for like this specific reason, or they have a great program in this um, department. So it was just like, okay, well, this school looks nice on one like Google Images or two, like on like paper. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, this works. Um, Which, by the way, I think is how. Kind of most kids look at college. <laughs> and it's not, listen, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you ended up at Emory University and you, know, you end up getting a great degree out of it. But at the end of the day, right, I mean, we see too often, and we see this all the time, you know, kids, that's how they're kind of selecting colleges, right? Oh, yeah. Versus kind of understanding, like, hey, what am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. What am I interested in? And maybe building a target list around that, right? Yep. So, you know, and I think part of that, too, you know, when I look at that is that somebody in high school, just somebody somewhere should maybe have a conversation with you about this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what this is helpful for is you know, helping students understand that you need to have that conversation at some point. So I guess maybe that would be my question for you, right? It's yeah. like now looking back on it, right? It's like a, what would you tell a first, another first-gen student to maybe think about if they're kind of going through that same kind of high school process, right? Mm -hmm. like what would you, what would you suggest to them or advise to them? Well, one, if there's nobody around that they can get help from, like nobody they can trust, or like want to go to, there's Google. Yeah. And there's like Facebook groups actually for college admissions processes. Okay. Um, that I actually didn't know about. Okay. Um, and then like I always started being there to help students out with their applications like when I was in college. Um, but like if you Google stuff, there's like ways for you to learn the college admissions process. Yeah. Without receiving any sort of like outside support. Yeah. Um, but I would say like mainly like. You've gotten this far in your education, you can definitely go further. Yeah. Like I think that was like something that like just encouragement, like emotional and moral support. Yeah. Like that was something that was not necessarily missing, but it could have been like more explicit while I was on the college. Yeah. Um and then like especially with the rejections part. Like sure. like I've applied to a lot of colleges, got into colleges, but I also got rejected from colleges. Yeah. Like I think like actually like all the rejections came first. Okay. So I was like, okay, so this isn't going anywhere. This isn't but, trending well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, I was like, actually like on a very low like self-esteem at that point. Then like, the first college acceptance I got was Emory. Yeah. And I just, you know, I actually didn't remember applying to college. Okay. Sorry, applying to Emory. Sorry. Okay. Um, because of the way it works with like the Westridge, like if you don't get the full scholarship, you can just forward your applications yeah. to all the partner schools. Yeah. And it was literally just like pressing the check box, yep. which I don't suggest people doing. Um, I just did it because I was like, it's free, yeah, <laughs> and I'll right. look to where I get it. Right. Uh, so I remember that I was getting my acceptance letter, and I was like, what is this school? Yeah. <laughs> and then I did research, and I was like, yeah. oh, it's that school, yeah. like, <laughs> which was weird. Like, it was just like a very, like, a lot of students are like expecting their answers, and they're like, oh my god, I got into X college. I was like, oh, well, I got into here, I guess, and then like, I didn't even realize like how good of a school it was until I told like my teachers as well as my friends. They're like, really? You got into that school? I was like, yeah. Like, like very nonchalant about yeah. uh, my experiences because like, I actually really didn't know anything about Emory at all. Like, and, like given where I am, like living in New Jersey, not many students go south. Yeah. Um, like since there's like a lot of colleges in the Northeast area, so like they would know of it, but like I never knew of any student that yeah. went there. Um, 
And so like the friends would be like, yeah, it's a really good school. And then like the people, like my neighbors would ask me, they're like, whoa, you got into Emory? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess so. And I feel like that also relates to being Christian too. Like, yeah. But like the obliviousness of applying to college, like you don't know your potential. And then like by not knowing your potential, like you also don't know what that means. Like I know like a lot of my other Christian students like, or friends, like they would get into like Ivy League universities. Like one of my friends, like she went back to Cornell. I think she was wearing like a Cornell T-shirt on like a train, and then like a random stranger was just like, "Whoa, we got into Cornell!" And then like that's what her mom, like, it hit her mom uh, that like, yeah. "Whoa, this is a yeah. really it's, like good school, and like it's really hard to get yeah, into." For sure. Um, and that actually was like similar to my mom because like she never heard of that Marie, neither did I. And so she was like, "Why do you want to go all the way to Georgia to go to school?" Right, like when right. we got into school in the surrounding area and then like she would hear like people com- like commenting yeah. about how great it was and she's like it became like a point of pride for her as well yeah. and I think that's what relates to like the bigger Christian story like being a first generation student is not just about you it's about your family yeah. because like now you can like lift as you climb like that's like mm-hmm. this not like so like I guess like moving up is like up an ladder. Now you're sure. push, like pulling your family. That's important. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think like that's that's a that's a big motivation for a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because as you're talking, right? I just you can't help but think about your own personal story, right? And so obviously, well, as I've shared, right? I'm not I'm a non-Christian um, mm-hmm. college student, right? And and my household it was perform or die, right? Like that's really what it was, right? And so. Um, you know, don't get too mad, mom or dad, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, it was, there was a lot of pressure, right? Yep. And so it was very purposeful when it came to college, right? So I kind of had like a very specific list already targeted, right? I ended up going to the University of Michigan because there was a good business school there and that was kind of the plan and, and those types of mm-hmm. things, right? And so um, hearing your story of kind of like, you know, put some, put some kind of feelers out there, ended up getting into one of the best schools is a great story. But again, I think it really shows that you know, perhaps if someone had just sat down with you, maybe you would have ended up at Emory anyway, right? But if yeah. someone had sat down and just said, okay, here's maybe what you might be interested in, here's some of the requirements, but let's talk a little bit about who you are, right? Like, what do you care about, what do you want mm-hmm. to do, right? Then maybe you might have still ended up there, but at least you would have been a little bit more informed through the process and maybe kind of, um, you know, open up even some more options. What was it like kind of expectation versus reality, right? So like you got there, you finally got on campus, you know, were you prepped? Like, and so that, that's the one thing I'm curious about is like, you know, did you, I, I guess there was, you know, they have some kind of onboarding events for families yep. and those types of things, but like, what was your expectation like and then what did it end up being like? Was it close? So I think that was like the, my first day was definitely the first day of being a first yeah. generation student. Like, I still didn't know what that term was until I was in college, but it was definitely weird. Like, um, I my roommate, his parents went to school, um, and so like they knew what to bring. Like we actually bought most of the stuff in our room or in my room, like the day of, like because like we yeah. were like, oh, right, well, he brought that. We need a bed sheet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no, we brought a bed sheet. Okay, all right. But, I did it. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, like let's say like, like we didn't bring like a separate drawer to keep stuff because we didn't realize how much like non furniture will be in our like room. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like that was different, and then like the reality of just like entering the dorm was also significant. I was like, okay, I did this. Like, that was like an achievement I had like say a year since like the August of 2016 was like the year I entered college. The August of 2012, I don't think I had imagined myself being in that 
mentions that follow me. Okay. Um, and so like, I remember that being like a very significant moment for my family. Um, but then like for the first gen part, like, I didn't know that there was orientation to this day. Okay. Um, and so like we were like planning on hanging out, and then like, oh no, you have orientation yeah. to go to. And I was like, what's orientation right. to begin with? Right. Um, and so like, um, I think they were just like in my dorm, like just chatting with like the, my roommate's yeah. parents and stuff like that. Yeah. And like the other parents like living around, but like the parents like they checked like what the orientation schedule was like, yeah. and they like were able to like just like find ways. And like a lot of them um, were just like, okay, well we're gonna be here while we like eating somewhere here, uh, um, and then like we'll regroup and like have dinner as a family. Yeah. My family was like, okay, well we need to go to work, so. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> well, thanks, Harpreet and Neil. That was a great conversation. I learned a lot. You know, I myself am not or was not a first-generation college student. Both uh, my mom and dad went to college, uh, my grandfather uh, as well. So a lot of folks in my family have gone to college. So that was uh, a really interesting perspective for me. Uh, and if anybody listening at home uh, was a first-generation college student or will be if you're still a high school student and you have any questions for Neil or Harpreet or for me, you can always uh, reach us uh, on Twitter at EndeavorPod. Uh, that's the best way. I get those messages right away and I can get back to you. You can also leave a comment on iTunes. Um, don't check that quite as often. Just want to let you know. Uh, and in general, if you like the episode or any of our episodes, you can star, favorite, like, whatever your podcast listening app of choice does for you to let people know you like that episode. And as always, you can subscribe. That way you can get new episodes right away. They generally drop on Tuesdays and Fridays every week. Um, we have more episodes coming up this summer on the Hacking Your Own SAT program series with me and Neil and some other episodes. I got some really nice ones that I recorded recently with me and Christy about um, new things happening with the SAT or ACT. So, as always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And let's keep learning. <laughs>